Today's reading is taken from Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for Marion for struggling with the lecture. <laughs> it just goes to prove, actually, uh, I did some running on, on Friday evening. I cleared the gutters of our house on Saturday morning, uh, and I'm now suffering an extremely bad back. So exercise is really bad for you. I just want to say that. Anyway, there we are. It doesn't matter, actually, whether you're walking to the North Pole, whether you're climbing Everest, or whether you're simply walking to your car at the end of this service to go home. They all have the same thing in common. Yeah, it's difficult to see what it is, though, isn't it? But unless you take the first step you will never complete your journey. Luther King, Martin Luther King, said this, faith is taking the first step when you cannot see the rest of the staircase. And in our passage this morning, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go on a journey together, taking that first step when we don't necessarily know where the end is going to be. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are indeed on a journey this morning. And we pray that you would meet with us. You would help us to see where to walk, why to walk, how to walk with you. That our discipleship would be in step with the loving Lord Jesus. We ask indeed that you would open our eyes and touch our hearts now. For your sake and ours we pray. Amen. Let me just read something to you. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him, and when he'd gone a little farther... He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, 
He called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, which I always think is a bit mean on Zebedee, uh, with the hired men and they followed him. That, of course, is not the passage that we have just had read by Will. That is from Mark. Because we would be tempted, and the the same passage appears in, or a similar passage appears uh, in the other Gospels as well. We could be tempted to look at the passage that we've just read and see these fishermen as giants of faith. They hear the word of the Lord, they get up, and they go. Uh, And indeed, of course, they are giants of faith, but they are giants of faith just like us. That was probably the first time that Jesus had asked them to follow. After that time, they'd gone back and they'd continued fishing. So actually, the passage that we have from Luke is not the first time that Jesus had asked them to be his disciples. But little by little, as we'll see as we go through this story, they're moving further and further away from the shore and from their comfort zone. You see, in our passage in Luke, you may wish to to turn to it, um, Luke 5, verses 1 to 11, uh, we find Jesus teaching on the shores, it says the Lake of Gennesaret, it's the Sea of Galilee, it's the same place, Uh, and there he is, obviously, uh, really appealing to the people because they are crowding in on him and they're getting closer and closer and he's moving further and further back until virtually he's standing in the sea. So he espies a boat and thinks, there's the answer, I'll get in the boat, they push the boat a little from the shore, he sits down, which is the conventional way uh, of a teacher, and he teaches them from the boat. Then, when he's finished speaking, of course, we know the story, he turns to Simon and says, well, we'll go a bit further out now, and we'll go uh, fishing. Now, let's just move aside at that point, because let's bear in mind that Simon is a professional fisherman. This is his trade, and he knows how to do it. Jesus is a carpenter. So let's not miss the irony of that moment that Jesus is telling the professional fisherman when and where to go fishing and how to ply his trade. Fish, you see, do not have eyelids. Very interesting point, that, isn't it? They don't like the daylight. They don't like it when it's too bright. They don't like it when the water is too warm near the surface. They go very soporific. I tell that to Marion every time I come back (laughs) empty-handed. It's just the fish. It's not me. It's just the fish. And in this region, you see, they go fishing at night. And they use this bell net with weights on. So it goes out in a big circle. And as it drops, so it closes around the fish. So you have to keep it in good condition. So there they are. They've they've been cleaning the nets to keep it in good condition. They've just about finished. And Jesus wants to go all over again. What a pain. But they do, and they have this amazing catch of fish. Simon is astonished. He begs forgiveness. He's aware of this miracle worker and his own position alongside. And the two just are so far apart. Interesting then that they call across their their friends, 
and not only one boat, but two boats nearly sink. And, and one of the commentators said their boats, they're not little dinghies, rowing boats that we go out on. These are, these are chunky vessels, probably weighing up to five tons each. That's a lot of fish. It's a lot of fish that they've just caught. And then Jesus tells them, don't worry, that's just an allegory. I've just given you a picture. You were fishing for fish, now you're fishing for men. Come after me, and they follow him. Is that logical? Professional fishermen, this is the biggest catch of fish they have ever caught in their lives. This is the most money they will make ever. And they think, never mind, it's not a problem, we'll leave it. And we'll walk off with Jesus. This is astonishing. They abandon the biggest catch of their life. This was their first step in being a disciple of Jesus. But Jesus then makes it clear during this, if we look at the the, the facts properly, that being a disciple is not following, just like a dog follows its master. This is much more than that. So we're going to look at three things, really briefly. Why, when and what. Why listen to Jesus? When to heed his call? And what are we being called to? So firstly then, why would these fishermen... Uh, give Jesus the time of day and why would they be prepared to change their lives for him? Discipleship, if you look in the the dictionary, it says that it's an active adherent. Active adherent. You're not just following. This is something proactive. You are getting involved. You're making a positive decision that will have a ramification upon your life. And so I think we should ask ourselves what it is Uh, that we need to see in someone in order to follow them. Now, we've already looked at those points, so let's just draw them out uh, a little bit more closely. See, Jesus was talking to the crowd, and every time he spoke to the crowd, the crowd got bigger, and it got closer, and it was pushing him into the water. This man was amazing. Eric Delve said that actually. He said, I know Jesus is an amazing man because everywhere he went, the people were amazed. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? And in this passage, if we look closely, um, we see the words astonished. It's verse 9. He and all his companions were astonished. Jesus is astonishing. He is astonishing. This is not someone boring the pants off them. And then see what Simon says in, in, in John 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 68. He says this, Simon Peter answered him, again the same person, Lord, to whom shall we go? Jesus was saying, these people seem to be leaving me. These people that said they knew me are now, uh, are now walking away. And Peter said, well, where am I going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This person is making a dramatic impact upon Simon Peter. He had more than anyone else. He had the words of eternal life. And more than that, he said, as as your God, as your Lord, I can control all sorts of things. You want to see it? Put Put your boat out into deep water. I'll prove it to you. I will give you the biggest catch you will ever see in your life to the point where if you put all the fish in your boat, it would sink. I have dominion over all the animals 
of this planet. That's what Jesus is really saying. That is astonishing. And then later, of course, going across the same sea, the wind, the waves, Jesus stands up and says, oh, for goodness sake, stop it. And the wind and the waves come. That is astonishing. That is Jesus Christ. That is God. So, how do we feel when we're listening or we're confronted with words from God, from the Bible? Are we excited? Are we challenged? Are we amazed? Are we astonished? Or is it, actually, it's just another story. It's a bit old hat now. The Bible was written so long ago, it was written for a different generation. But if this is true, Jesus demands to be heard. Demands in the sense that he deserves uh, to be heard. And sometimes when I I read the Bible, I, I, I feel uncomfortable. I feel slightly fearful and afraid. Because, of course, he wants me to change. God understands that. He understands that we struggle to believe We struggle to trust. And so he speaks tenderly, but he speaks powerfully. And then, of course, he follows it up by proving his point. He is who he says he is. Jesus, the sign of God coming to us, coming to offer us something himself. And he showed that he could do it. How often it is that we hear great speeches on the radio or on our televisions from politicians and how often it is that actually they don't even meet their own expectations, let alone ours but here we have Jesus Christ we don't know what he was saying but we know what he did, we know the effect he had on people, we know that he had dominion over even the animals over what might have life what might have death, our own very, our, our very own future. He holds it in the palm of his hand. So the first part of discipleship then is understanding the person who's calling us, and that is Jesus Christ, God himself. So secondly then, if we're going to be followers of God, when does God meet with us? And when should we listen Now, we've already seen that these fishermen are at a bit of a low ebb. I can tell you that because when I go fishing, and it's usually three or four hours, and I get back with nothing, I am at a pretty low ebb. These guys have been out all night. This is their livelihood. They have earned not a bean, not a fish. So they're tired. They've cleaned their nets. They've put them away. And Jesus then demands that they go on what is obviously a fruitless mission. But they put out again. And then he asks them to leave everything aside to follow him. Where? He doesn't say. He doesn't tell them other than to imply where I go, you will go also. Would you have gone? Would I have gone? I think I'd probably be a bit more like the, the man in, a young man in Luke 9, just a, a few chapters later, who says, well, actually, I, I need to go and bury my father first, or I want to go and say goodbye to my family before I come. 
That's where I think I would be. But the disciples, they or the, these fishermen at that point, are so stunned by this man that they get up and they go. Because God calls when we're busy. He calls us when it's inconvenient. He calls us when it's his time scale and it's not ours. How inconvenient is that? You see, when you choose to follow someone on Twitter, perhaps you follow Wanish Church on Twitter, who did the choosing? When you choose a football team, who does the choosing? When you go to a restaurant to eat, who does the choosing? When you follow a particular belief or a particular style, a particular fashion, who does the choosing? We do. When you're a disciple of God, who does the choosing? God does. God calls. God asks. God longs for us to follow him. We go when we're called and when we're challenged. And that may not fit our timetable. The ideal job may come up when we least expect it or, frankly, when we least want it. I had a, a, a situation this week. You know I'm going to be ordained later this year uh, and I have the joy of being your curate here and I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to it. Um, but that doesn't give me exhaustive uh, uh, amounts of faith and belief. I'm sorry to say that, but it doesn't. Uh, and I was sitting at work this week uh, with my head slightly in my hands because I was busy. It was about quarter past seven in the morning. I was at my desk and uh, the phone rang, bless it, because people know I get in quite early. Uh, And someone on the end said, uh, David, I I thought you ought to know a young lad called Jamie. His uh, wife uh, had a stillbirth. I thought you ought to know uh, because I know that you'll know how to deal with it. You'll know what to say. Hmm, okay. Uh, And I'm thinking, God, why are you doing this? Why are you calling me to ordination when I'm really busy? Why are you asking me to do all this when I don't feel capable of doing it? And then I had two people, not an hour later, come in and say, look, David, uh, we've got a bit of a problem here. I think this, he thinks that. And I said, and, you know... (laughs) What do you want me to do about that? You've got to work out your differences. And they said, no, no, we've come to you because we know you're going to be fair. And we want you to give an answer. Oh. So the morning went on, and then after lunch, um, another colleague came to me and, and put a, a, a leaflet on my desk. Uh, and he's, he's a local guy, only from, from Dorking. He's great fun. Uh, and he said, were you at this lunch? And it was a Christians in Property lunch held in Mayfair that day. I said, actually, no, I wasn't. I get the emails, but I, I wasn't there. I've been, I've been quite busy. It's a series of budget settings, you know, which I had throughout the day. Oh, that's a pity. I thought, that's very interesting. This is not a Christian. Uh, I said, why is that a pity? He said, we ought to do this here. Really? 
I've been trying to run a, a prayer group now for about four or five years, and, and we've got up to eight, then down to two, and at the moment there's about five of us. And with over 800 people in the building, you'd think we could really, you know, break in a little bit more. And the really exciting thing is that this guy is probably our next senior partner. And he's saying we ought to do this here. This is really important. This is a faith group which is really strong in property and we need to have them here. Okay. And then I look at God and I think, is that really why I'm here? Just at a lowest ebb, when I'm really busy and this is really inconvenient, you're saying to me, hang on in there. Listen to what I'm saying to you. So finally then, if we know who we're believing, we're open to his call, what are we being called for? And through this whole episode, the future disciples are responding, and discipleship is more, as we've already said, it's more than just following. Because to follow is like, like the dog, is just blind obedience, really. And of course, we do need to be obedient, but it is more than that. It demands the context of faith. They were, of course, fishers of men now, uh, or professional fishermen now called to be professional fishers of men. These were uneducated people. They were the loners of society. They liked being out on their own at night. They said very little. These were the people that Jesus wanted to stand up and inspire others These were the people that he wanted to speak on his behalf. Sometimes you do wonder about God, don't you? What a choice to make. And in Acts 2, you see the results of Peter's first sermon. When he stood and spoke and 3,000 people gave their life to God. That's not such a bad choice after all. So to what are you being called? I don't know. To what is this church being called? I don't know. But I know someone who does. And that is God. That is what discipleship is. Learning with God. Learning what he wants for your life day by day. Learning how to treat other people. Learning how to love the unloved, or even the unlovable. It's to journey with God day by day. It is interesting, I think, to know that this is not the first time that the disciples were challenged by Jesus. Jesus led Simon step by step. Simon had heard the words of God several times. He'd listened to Jesus several times. He was comfortable for Jesus to come in the boat with him. He was comfortable then to take that next step and go a little further from the shore while Jesus spoke. And then Jesus turns to him and says, let's take another step. Let's go deeper. So they take another step. And he says, now I want you to fish and believe in me. Let's take another step. Now I want you to pull in those nets and see what's inside. 
And I'm overawed. I'm amazed and astonished by the catch of fish. Let's take another step. Now I want you to go back to the shore and leave all that behind. You sure? That'll be another step. Now I want you to be a follower of me, a fisher of men. We're on a journey. We're taking step by step by step. Day by day. Trusting in me. Believing in me. Learning from me. Listening from me. Step by step. A journey of discipleship. Day by day we need to do the same. To become more and more understanding and trusting of the purpose of God for our life. We have to leave the past behind. And we have to commit our future to him. It's not going to be comfortable, but it will be rewarding. It's not going to be easy, but we will be supported in it. Because each step we take, our soul will find rest in God. The first step is the hardest in this journey. But without it, we'll never begin. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have called, you've called to us, you've met us, and you reach out your hands and ask us to put ours in yours, that you may lead us on, on an exciting, rewarding, and ultimately a journey leading to you, your heavenly home. Father, we just lay our lives before you this morning and ask that again and in the days ahead you may touch us, show us and explain to us what you want us to be. It will be different for each one of us. We know that. But together we will be the body of Christ in this place. So we ask that you would touch us this morning and lead us on that journey with you by our side. Father, we thank you. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray for the church and for the world. And let us thank God for his goodness. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in faith. We pray for your church today, gathering all around the world, in small churches and great cathedrals, to praise you, to hear your holy word, and to meet you in bread and wine. Give us a sense of expectation when we come, and inspiration when we go. Help us to put our differences behind us and to unite instead behind the great commission of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for a world which struggles to live justly and in peace. 
We pray for those who have to search for daily food or clean water. We remember with sadness those whose lives are cut short by violence and those who have fled their homes in fear. We pray particularly for the innocent people caught up in the ongoing wars in Syria and South Sudan and the events unfolding in the Ukraine. May you comfort them in their suffering and help us to uphold them in our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you for those people who sustain us by their love and forgiveness. Thank you for the network of people with whom our lives are intertwined and who make up the fabric of our family and community. We pray especially for our leadership team here and all those who support and uphold them. Make us alert to each other's needs. Give us hearts that are willing to serve and to follow you. May our gentleness with each other reflect your gentleness with us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are laid low by suffering, pain or anxiety. Help us to trust in your love for us and for all people and your deep desire for our well-being. We lift up to you Edward Chandler and his family as they make preparations for his return home from Tadworth and Patricia Lewis as she prepares for surgery on her shoulder this week. We name in our hearts those known to us who are in the grip of suffering. Help us to pray and to act that they may know your comfort and healing, both now and in the coming days. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you for those people who have given us the examples and models by which we try to live. We thank you for those who have lived and died in obedience and whose prayers have helped to sustain the world. Help us to live in the light by which they lived and to worship that source of light, Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. In a moment of silence, let us offer our own prayers to our Heavenly Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord, we ask that you take these prayers and use them to bring about your purposes so that the light of Christ may shine and the kingdoms of this world 
become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, in whose name we ask it. Amen.